You can give up one last shout of praise, because that's what today is all about. It's all about gathering in his name, worshiping him together. Why don't you grab a seat? Why don't you grab a seat? Well, it is uh, just a fantastic morning already. Uh, it's just such a, a special thing to be with you, and so I'm so glad uh, that you could be here. And uh, if you're new here today, this might even be your first time uh, with us at True North. Just want to say uh, a special welcome to you. Uh, and uh, just great to have you with us. Hope you are able to just kind of relax into it and be a part of, of our, our community with us today. Looking forward uh, to it. We are in this series as a church. This is kind of our opportunity to gather. We're in, we've been in a, a special and kind of significant uh, series called And They. And this is kind of one of those moments throughout the year when we gather uh, to just kind of refocus about what God is calling us to, our vision, our, our purpose uh, as a church. And we've been thinking about the story that God is writing and, and knowing it's a story that goes, stretches so far back where we've been going back to the book of Acts, looking at the beginning of the church and the story that God was writing then and, and thinking about what is our place in that story today. Uh, there's a book a guy named Donald Miller wrote several years back and he wrote it about story and he was talking about what it's like to kind of live a great story. And in the foreword to his book, it's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. He wrote this, this little uh, kind of forward to his book about stories, about the kind of stories that capture us, about the kind of stories we live. And, and he wrote this. He said, if you watched a movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo, anybody uh, want a Volvo? Keen for a Volvo? Don't raise your hand because you won't, in a minute it won't be great. So, I'm oh, sorry. If you, uh, if you watched a, a movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo and he worked for years to get it, you wouldn't cry at the end of that movie, when he drove off the lot, testing the windshield wipers. He said, you wouldn't tell your friends you saw a beautiful movie or go home and put a record on to think about the story you'd seen. He said, the truth is, you wouldn't remember that movie a week later, except you'd feel robbed and want your money back. He said, nobody cries at the end of a movie about a guy who wants a Volvo. And he's starting to try and get at the essence of what makes for a great story. And he writes this then at the end of it. He says, but we spend years actually living those stories and expect our lives to feel meaningful. But the truth is, if what we choose to do with our lives won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. And I love that little picture because it's just this great kind of reminder. You know, uh, that one of the things we've been reflecting on is what is the story that we are living into? Every one of us, what is the story that we are are living into? What is the story that God is writing for us as a church, and how do we step into that? And because the great news is, uh, we all know none of us want to want to live a life where that's kind of like what it was actually all about in the end, but we'd all love to live lives of full of meaning, full of purpose, full of a sense that we are, we are a part of something far greater than ourselves. And what we believe as a church is that the greatest thing we can do is be a part of the story that Jesus is writing. And the story that Jesus is writing has always been about the good news of his grace going out into all the world. It's what the book of Acts is about. It starts off with Jesus telling his early followers, you're going to be my witnesses first here in Jerusalem in this one city and then outward to Samaria, outward to Judea, outward to the very ends of the earth. That's the story that Jesus is writing. And we're gonna, uh, we've been reflecting on what is our, our place in it. And we're going to reflect on that once more today. And we're going to talk about one of the things that that activates this for us, that allows us 
to really step into that story. And it is, uh, and it is, it is a, what it looks like to live a sent life. Let me hear you say sent life. All right, we're going to dive into that today. And before we do, I want to just read you our story as a church. Uh, you know, I, I for a moment mentioned, you know, here's a story that, that doesn't kind of take care. This is our story as a church. This is what we want to be a part of. If you've got one of the And Day booklets, you'll see this on the back. Uh, you can grab one of those at the What's On desk if you don't have one already. But we'll put it up here on the screen. This is our story as church. This is what we believe God is calling us, who he's calling us to be, what he's calling us to do. It says, at the, end of the, at the edge of the Indian Ocean, in an isolated continent, that's where God's placed us, there is a generous and courageous people, a tribe of believers who are on a journey to passionately pursue the presence of God. In this place called True North, this band of believers gathers around the fire to creatively share real stories that awaken wanderers and allow them to belong. Now that's a story worth living into, isn't it? And I, I love a few of the things. We just, saw, this is a, something we put together a little while back. Just kind of catch it. This is kind of who we desire to be as a church. A courageous people. A generous people. A people who are passionately pursuing the presence of God. A people who want to share stories in ways that can awaken wanderers to join the story that Jesus is writing. It's what we're all about. And I want to talk to you today again about one of the ways we activate, we step into this story. And it is by living a, what's our word? Sent life. Let me hear you say it one more time. We're going to live a, a sent life. Acts chapter 13 is a story uh, that is going to take us into this today. Acts chapter 13. Now, Acts chapter 13 is one of these hinge moments in the book of Acts. Because as we know, so the story, the good news of Jesus, how he died, how he rose again, how he is the king who will one day return, and how his grace is now to be brought to all people everywhere. This story begins in Acts. And in Acts chapter 13, there's this turning point moment where it's going to leave where it's been. And this story is going to really begin moving to go out to the very ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 13, it says this. It says there's these two guys. It says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their, uh, their mission, they returned from Jerusalem. And they took with them John, who's also called Mark. Now in Acts 13, 1, it says, now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And it gives us their names. There was Barnabas. There was Simeon, also called Niger. There was Lucius of Cyrene. There was, uh, and there was Saul was there. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... The Holy Spirit said, I want you to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And the two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. And they went down to Seleucia and they sailed from there to Cyprus. Now here's the the picture of what we see in this particular story. Uh, the church in Antioch, this is now starting to get out a bit of a ways from Jerusalem. Even the leaders who are listed there, they don't have traditional Jewish names. What's starting to happen is this movement that began amongst the Jewish people, it's been spreading and going farther. And the church is gathering and they're worshiping. They're gathering, you know, we're gathering today. Why? To worship God. 
We all come together around the name of Jesus. We worship together. And while they're worshiping, the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, look, I want, I want you to take two of these people, two of these uh, leaders in your church, Saul and Barnabas, and I've got special work for them to do. And I want you to send them on their way to take the good news to places where it has never been before. Now, one of the things that I love about this particular story, when you think about uh, what it means to be the church, uh, you get this small little snapshot of this beautiful picture of what it looks like to gather for worship and then to scatter and be sent out for mission. To be on mission with God is to be sent by God. It's really what the word mission is all about, being sent, going. And, and this is why Paul is often called the first missionary. He's the first person that was sent out going, you're going to go to places where people have never heard about Jesus. That's what you're going to do, and you're going to take the good news about him to them. And it's while they're worshiping God that they are sent on mission. The overflow of our worship, understand this today, we gather here, and I love gathering here. I'm so excited to gather here, so glad to be with all of you, and we're just worshiping God together. But as we worship God, we got to always remember the natural overflow of that worship must always be to then go out. To be sent into the world to bring that good news. Worship always has this dynamic to it we see in the scriptures. The church always has this dynamic to it of gathering together to worship God. And then going out, scattering for mission. It's the only way that this good news does get to the very ends of the earth. Do you know something? It's not just two people way back when who were supposed to be sent out into the world to take this good news. This is something that every one of us are called as worshipers of Jesus to be a part of. To be people who are sent out to proclaim, to, to tell the story of who Jesus is, to demonstrate for people uh, he, that he is king, that he is Lord, that he is risen, that he is alive, and that life is found in his name alone. Every one of us is called. We're not all called to necessarily get on a boat, but we are all to be sent into this world. You know, there's a, a line in a, a movie. It's kind of a, it's a funny movie. I'm not endorsing it by any means, but I always found this line kind of funny. Uh, there's this spy who's a bit awkward and goofy. His name was Austin Powers. And um, he was walking through this kind of like, I think it was like a, a, you know, a, a club or a casino or something in, in the U.S. And he sees a couple, and he sees this guy, and he says to him, hey, there you are. And the guy goes, do I know you? And he's like, no, but you're there. There you are. And it's kind of this just funny moment of just like, well, that's where you are. Uh, can I tell you something? There's always sort of a couple ways you and I can live our life. One is to go, well, here I am. I'm just here. I just ended up here. I happen to be here. I happen to live in this city, be born in this place. I happen to be in this family or at this job. You can just go, that's where I am. I'm there. Or you can live your life going, wherever I am, I'm not just there. I'm sent there. I actually, Jesus has a purpose for where you are. He has actually placed you where you are. In your job, in your school, in your workplace, on your street, in your neighborhood. To be the people of God, to be part of the story he's writing is to go, wait a second, I never just find myself anywhere. I've been sent by somebody. And here's the thing that's amazing about this story. So what happens is these guys, they are sent. And they start sailing. And, and talk about a story 
worth kind of joining. This is a little bit of, of what it looks like when you end up being sent by God. They, I've got a little map for you. They get sent. So here over here is Antioch. Here's where they started. Kids, if you got a little booklet, you'll see this map in there. You can kind of track with. So they start in this church called Antioch. And they're like, okay, you guys are going to go. And you're going to, Holy Spirit's like, got places for you to go. Where are you going to take it? And they sail to the island of, of Cyprus. They get to this island. They travel all around this island. And then they end up in this city called Paphos. And when they get there, there's this politician. His name's Sergius Pelagius. And he's kind of an influential guy. He's a proconsul. Uh, he's never heard about God. But they're starting to, word is starting to spread. Buzz is starting to happen. And this guy's like, hey, I want to hear this new word, the word of God that's being preached and spoken. And so he says, I want to have that. These guys, Paul and Barnabas, come tell me about it. So they go to this, you know, politician, this leader, this proconsul. Now, this guy also had this advisor who was known to be a sorcerer. He's like a magician. And his name is Elimas or Bar-Jesus. He's got two names. And he starts going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's trying to oppose Paul and Barnabas. He's trying to do everything he can to keep the leader, Sergius Pelagius, to keep this kind of governor type of guy from hearing the good news. And Paul, at one point, is so sick of this, he turns to this guy who's like a, a sorcerer magician. He's like, look, you are an enemy of everything God wants. Here's what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to see for a while. You're just going to be blind for a period of time. You're going to wander around in the dark because you keep trying to just oppose Jesus. It happens. And guess what? This guy, Sergius Pelagius, all of a sudden is like, okay, all right. I get it. I believe it. I'm in. And he puts his faith in Christ. And you see these kind of amazing moments take place. So now imagine it. This good news. It's never kind of left land over here. It's now dropped in to pay false. And it's going. And it's going places it's never been before. And people are not only hearing the good news, they're seeing it in action and putting their faith in Jesus. It's spreading like these waves going outward. They end up getting in the boat. They leave Paphos and they sail up into this other area, kind of Asia Minor. And they start, they land in Perga. They land in one city. They're traveling. They're telling people stories about Jesus. And they end up making their way to um, to uh, Antioch, a different Antioch, and they're preaching the gospel there, and the word's beginning to spread. They keep on going. Different things are happening. Everywhere they go, two things kind of happen. I think it's in Antioch. It says the whole city ends up coming out to hear them talk about this the next week. It's growing. People are intrigued. They're wanting to hear. They've never heard before. They go to Iconium, and in Iconium they start preaching, but they end up finding out that there's some leaders there who aren't stoked about all the excitement, and they want to stone them. And so they're, they, they're like, they hear, okay, somebody wants to stone us. We should probably leave. That's not a great thing. Uh, and so they start making their way to Lystra and to Derby. And while they're preaching in those areas, something else really cool happens. There's a guy who's been uh, lame from birth. His legs don't work. He can't walk. And they turn to this guy, and they're like, uh, you know, rise and walk, name of Jesus. The guy gets healed. And guess what? Again, crowds are forming. Things are going crazy. It's like everybody wants to hear about it. Only these people are so excited because they've seen this. They think that Paul and Barnabas must be a couple of Greek gods who come down to visit them. And they're so excited about that. They want to offer sacrifice to these two guys. They think they're Zeus and Hermes. They're like, they can't believe what's happening. And Paul and Barnabas are like, no, 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 hold on. They're tearing their clothes. They're like, that's not the deal. We're just people like you. We've come to tell you about Jesus, and he's the living God. And the people are like, they kind of calm down for a bit. But then some people from Iconium who wanted to stone them. And you can always remember the people in Iconium, they wanted to stone them. And um, so they go 
they hear, okay, they're in like kind of Leicester Derby. They make their way down and they're like, hey, hey, no, 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 these guys are no good at all. And they stir up all the people and the crowd swings. And then they do stone them. And they finally, their plan kind of comes true and they stone Paul. Everyone thinks he's dead. They drag him out of the city. But then the believers come around him, look after him, and he's not dead. He's, he gets up, he goes back into the city, and then they go, you know what, let's make our way back. And so then you see kind of this blue. And so then they go from Derby and they start traveling back. And everywhere they started these churches and brought the good news, it tells us, and I'll, we'll pick it up at the end of verse chapter 14. You can read all this in Acts 13 and 14, amazing stories. And it tells us this in Acts chapter 14, just towards the end. It says uh, that they, from Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the work committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered together, reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So that's where, so they go through all this. All these incredible, I mean, imagine, you know what, talk about living like a, a pretty incredible story. Traveling from place to place. Just watching how God is going to open up doors so that you can tell people the good news about Jesus. See miraculous things happen. People, all kinds of people, some, uh, you know, influential people in some places and others who were you know, forgotten by society. And they're all beginning to put their faith in Christ and God's doing amazing things. And guess what? It's not without its hardships. It comes with some pretty big challenges. It's not always just amazing things. Some days, the way it ended up for Paul was having people literally stone you thinking you were now dead. But man, they are seeing the good news of Jesus. They're seeing what Jesus talked about. This good news go to the very edges of the earth. They're seeing it happen. They're a part of it. And they get to go back and they meet with the church and they say, we're going to share with you all the stories of what God is doing. How he's opened a door of faith. Until this point, it's like the good news had never left the cultural religious group that, that it had begun in. And now they're realizing this good news. God is opening the door for everybody everywhere to hear this good news. Oh, this is amazing. And they share the stories and they celebrate together. And I love this picture, you know, that they would all come back together and it's like they, they regather, and they're going to stay there a long time. They regather, they share the stories. Everyone's encouraged, and the work continues to go on. The church is always called to gather for worship and to scatter for mission. And one of the defining kind of, I guess, mindsets that we can have, one of the defining sort of attitudes, one of the, the big approaches we can have to life, if we want to live into the story that God has for us as a church, it starts with every one of us living into the story that, in fact, we too have been sent by him. And this was literally, I mean, literally when they were sent out, no one had ever taken this good news there. They were going to places that had never had opportunity. And they were literally physically setting sail. Most of us in this room won't be called to set sail, though some of, uh, some of you will. And we should be more open probably to those things in our lives. Of the moments God might want to say, I want you to go here. But every one of us, I can tell you, is called. This is part of the story we're invited into. To be sent into our world. 
You know, True North Church, as we gather here, can I just tell you, uh, I think there is one thing that, that God would impress on us today. It's that we actually begin to see our lives and the places we are. It's not like, yep, I just live my life here, and then once a week I go to church, and then I kind of do that thing. But no, 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 my life, I am a sent person. I am sent into my workplace. I'm sent into my school. I'm sent into my neighborhood. I didn't just find myself here. I've been sent there. And when you know you're sent, it changes everything about how you approach your life. Sometimes people will say to me, and they're making conversation, I get because it's just making conversation, but they'll say, oh, you know, do you like it here uh, in Perth because we moved here 14 years ago? They don't know I'm an Australian citizen, and I keep my American accent to throw people off, but, um, but people will just kind of ask you, like, here, would you like to go back to the U.S.? Do you think you'll ever go back? And if I'm just making conversation with someone who doesn't kind of, you know, maybe understand sort of how someone like our, our family might approach our life, I'll say something like, yeah, no, we, we enjoy it here. We, we, we love it here. We enjoy it here. But if ever I'm talking to someone who understands faith, I'm always like, well, it, it doesn't really matter if I like it here or not. The way I approach my life is not, and, and what I'll usually say to people as well is like, yeah, we love it here, and we plan to be here, uh, you know, until God says otherwise. But that's the reality. The way we approach our lives is not, hey, where would we like to go in the world? The way we approach our lives, and I think every one of us should as Christ follows, is where am I sent? Where has God placed me? It is totally countercultural to the stories that our world would tell us that say you should think about where do you want to go and what are your dreams and what are your ambitions and what's the life you'd like to craft to yourself. In the face of all that, Jesus says, I want, you to in, I want to invite you into life where you are sent. And when we begin to approach and just go, you know what, actually, none of, no one in this room has sort of been put somewhere that Jesus does not desire to use you. Everywhere we go, we can choose to live with the mindset that I am sent. I'm sent. When we gather for worship like this, we should draw encouragement and strength and go, man, I'm so glad I'm a part of a body like this. Because isn't it incredible to think about it? As awesome as it is, and as much as I love it, we all gathered in this room today, I love to think about the fact that now, this afternoon, we're going to scatter all around the city. We're going to scatter into different places. And every one of us will go into places. You'll go into places I could never go. And someone will go into places you could never go. And you, just all of us will be in different places. And we are there representing Jesus and his kingdom. Man, that's an incredible thing. What, how, what, how would it change your life to wrap yourself and your mind around that reality? You know, one of the things that I started... Um, I carry in my pocket a lot of the time, not every day, not all the time, but I, I almost look at it every day. When I was in uh, New York for the, the doctoral program part of studies, got to the end of the coursework, one of the professors took a bunch of us, and we're students, everybody from different places in the world, uh, people from different parts of different countries. And we all gathered in this small chapel, and we had this incredible prayer time. And we were worshiping God, and we were praying, and people were sharing different things that God was speaking to one another and laying hands on one another and just praying. Because we were all about to leave where we had gathered there and learned together, and God had done things in our lives. And we were all about to, to head off and go all different places. And I drew so much excitement and encouragement thinking about all these other people that were, you know, men and women going to different places representing Christ. And we prayed for one another, and people prayed some things for me, and, and I took so much encouragement out of that moment. And then our professor, he gave us all this little 
uh, just wooden cross. He loves wooden crosses, and he just said, I want you to take this, and I want you just to, you know, kind of keep it and remember this moment you've had. Remember the time we've spent together. Remember what Jesus has done in your life right in this moment. And what I started doing often, because it's kind of small, I just leave it in my pocket. You know, often when I'm preaching, I leave it in my pocket because I don't ever want to come up here and talk, and you think I'm just trying to find something interesting to talk about. Because I don't, I don't have time for that, and you don't have time for that either. But when I put it in my pocket, and I sometimes hold it and I remember it, I'm not just here just living my life. I'm sent. I, I represent not myself and just my family. I, I'm actually sent as a representative of a kingdom whose symbol is the cross. And uh, what I can tell you from my own experiences, the more you wrap your mind around this idea as a follower of Christ, where you are, you are not just there. You are sent there. And, and wherever you go, Jesus, he wants to use you. We gather for worship. We scatter for mission. Every one of us to wrap our minds around this reality. If you're a follower of Christ, can I tell you something? You are not just meant to exist. You're not just meant to find kind of something nice to do with your life. You are sent. From the youngest in this room to the oldest, as a follower of Christ, wherever you are, you are sent. And today, one of the things I think it'd be really cool to do, as we gather as a church, we got a unique spot because we get to gather as one today, is we're just going to pray for one another. Every one of us is going to leave this, this room and this gathering today, and we're going to go different places. Uh, we're going to pray for one another. We see the early church doing this. They gathered, they're praying, they're worshiping, they lay hands. In this moment, it was a special moment where like Saul and Barnabas, you're going to go somewhere no one has ever gone before. But every one of us, you know what I'd love you to do is we're going to gather in just a, just a moment, I'll tell you when. And we're just going to get up and maybe with one other person who's next to you, maybe with your family that you came with, maybe just somebody nearby, you don't even know them. But we're just going to take a moment and you're just going to put an arm on a shoulder, a hand on a shoulder, and just say, you know what, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that as you go, and you can tell maybe, you know, here's a place where I feel like I'm sent. I'm sent to my workplace, or I'm sent in my neighborhood. Or I want to be focused on being sent in these spaces. Would you pray for me? And you're just going to pray that, you know what, wherever you are, simple prayer you can pray, wherever you are, may you shine a light for Christ in that place. May you be someone whose life demonstrates the goodness of God. May you be someone who is able to, when the moment calls for it, articulate the goodness of who Jesus is. Now, if you're here today and you're not even, you're like, look, I don't even follow Jesus. I'm, I'm not sent. Actually, I got pulled here. I get sent here. I feel like somebody dragged me here. And this is not to make you feel awkward. You don't have to worry about it. If you don't want to be a part of the moment, you can just sit right where you are, and there is nothing wrong with that. But for everyone who would say, you know what, I'm a part of True North Church. I'm a follower of Christ. We're going to just pray for one another I'm going to invite the, the team's going to come up. They'll just play a little bit of music for us. And what I hope for you and for me, for us to live the story that God wants, really wants for us, is that we will be a people who see ourselves as sent people, sent into this world. Not our own, not just people who are trying to figure out a nice life that we can have and carve out for ourselves, but to know deeply within us that we are sent. 
And to be a body of people who encourage one another and and pray for one another. May you be a light for Christ where you are. May God continue his work in you so that you can shine a light for him. If you've got kids with you and they're your kids, pray for them that they will shine Jesus' light in their school, in their classroom. You know, if you, wherever you are, you are sent. So here's what we're going to do. You can stand up. Why don't you stand to your feet? If you don't want to be part, that's no worries. You can stay seated. And people know not to, not to bother you. And I'm going to pray. And then as soon as I finish praying, I just want you to gather with one or two others, three people. Could be a family if you came together. Could just be somebody who's nearby. And just pray for one another. That when you, where you go from this place today, that you will, you will be a light for Christ wherever you go. That you will know you are sent as his representative into those spaces. That we might be a church that is a sent group of people. I want to pray and then you can pray in your groups. Lord, we thank you that you have called us here together. Lord, in Jesus, you have made us a new family, the family of God. In Jesus, you have made us brothers and sisters in Christ. And in Jesus, you've torn down every wall that divides, and you have made us your people. And Lord, we thank you for that. We're so grateful for that. We're grateful for the cross and forgiveness. We celebrate the resurrection. We thank you for the new life that you give to us. And Lord, even as we honor you and worship you today, I pray that you would pour out through your Holy Spirit a desire to be a sent people. That, Lord, you would send us into the places you have for us. And you would so fill us with your Holy Spirit that we would shine a light that is a witness to the risen Christ that allows your kingdom to go forward, your kingdom to advance that we would be part of the story you are writing. In Jesus' name. Why don't you find a couple people and just spend a couple moments. They don't need to be long prayers or elaborate, but let's just pray for one another. You can put a hand on a shoulder, on a back. It's what believers have always done, symbolizing God's spirit at work through us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you in this moment. We thank you that, Lord, you have plans and purposes. We thank you, Spirit, that there are things you want to whisper to each one of us. There are are tasks and work that you have for us to do. Lord, we thank you that you have placed people where you want them, where you can use them. And Lord, I pray and I I thank you that you've given us one another to encourage one another, to pray for one another, with one another, that Lord, around this room, we all know we we are part of a church, Lord, a gathering of believers on mission with you. And I pray, Lord, that we would draw great strength from the the church you have given us, from being a part of the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that indeed the prayers we have joined together in today, they would be powerful and effective. And I pray that even this week we would approach our our days and our spaces and places with fresh eyes to go into them, Lord, 
not just trying to live a life, but Lord, as people who are joining your story, who are sent to those places, who represent you, the risen Christ. May we shine a light. May we bring blessing to the places we go. May we be a part of many coming to know the same love and grace that we have ourselves. We honor you, King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray today. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can grab a seat for a moment. And uh, we're going to do a couple more things as we gather. We're, we're not done yet. We've got some, some time that we're going to spend together with one another. You know, uh, part of our hope and our, our vision for this Ande series is to, it is always just a, a helpful exercise, I think, always follow Christ, to renew your focus, to renew your vision, to be reminded. You know, that's kind of why I carry that cross. I have to remind myself, this is who I am. This is what God's called me to do. You know, we have to find ways to remind ourselves. This is what it means to be part of a church. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so one of the things that we're going to do in a moment, you'll see uh, on your chair today, there's a little card there. It says, I, we are in for joining the story. Uh, one of the things we thought it'd just be great to do, and we're not going to do anything with these, but just uh, in a moment, you have a chance to just write your name on there. And it's just one of those symbolic kind of small ways to go, that's right, I am in. I don't just go to church uh, at True North. I'm a part of the story God is writing through True North Church in this world. I don't just kind of, I'm in for it. And, and you don't even always have to know everything that, that means, but if you just go, you know what, I'm, yeah, I want to be reminded, I am in for what God is doing at True North. I want to be part of that story. Then you're just going to be able to write your name there. And in a few minutes when we take up our offering as well, you can bring that or, or, and put that in. And it's just a small way to say I'm in. Now, one of the things that, uh, that we're going to do as well is, uh, is we're going to take up our, our offering in just a moment. And I want to tell you one, one last story from the book of Acts. And, and as you think about those cards where you'll write your name, that's really just about the power of small steps of obedience and the power of, of kind of what it looks like to join a story. Do you know, one of the, the uh, verses that that we're going to look at for a moment. It comes near the book of Acts. Uh, after Paul has gone on a number of his missionary journeys, he's traveled, he's preached, he's done so many things, and he's reaching a point in his life where he realizes he's called to go back to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to probably end up in jail. He's said goodbye to the Ephesian elders. If you're here the first week, he's torn themselves away. They're weeping, but he knows he's got to go to Jerusalem. He starts making his way there. And in uh, Acts 21, we get this small little phrase, but I love this little bit of a story we find in the book of Acts, where he's sailing and he's making his way and he stops in Caesarea. And he says, leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, one of the seven. Now this is, if you were here last week, you remember that there came this moment in the early days of the church where they needed to get food to these widows and seven guys took this responsibility. And one of them was a guy named Philip. At the moment when 
Paul is going to stop in Caesarea and stay at Philip's house. This is probably 20 years after that moment. And I love this little footnote because you get this little insight into this story. Think about this for a moment. If you can just imagine with me this story. It's the early days of the church. They find these seven guys. One of them's named Stephen. One of them's named Philip. And there's five of them. And they start turning over this responsibility. The church starts growing. But what happens, this guy Stephen, God's doing amazing things. So many people are following him that some of the ruling leaders come against him. And they actually put him to death. They stone him to death. And there's a guy there who's given approval to the whole thing, and his name is Saul. And we're told he stood and watched as they stoned Stephen. And he watched as, as Stephen kind of looked up to the sky with a face like an angel and said, Father, forgive them. And that moment set off a persecution. And for the first time, the believers, they had to leave Jerusalem because this guy Saul was coming for people. And one of those guys of the seven, Philip, had to leave, flee for his life. And he went north up to Samaria. And he began to preach the gospel. And it began to just explode in Samaria. And there was so much of a revival that actually Peter and John leave Jerusalem to go up and see what's happening. Because Philip's doing such unbelievable things. And, and then Philip, God calls him to go now make his way south and over towards the coast. He's going along. He sees this Ethiopian kind of uh, royal palace figure. He meets with him. He teaches him about Jesus. This guy comes to faith in Christ. And then Philip ends up kind of making his way up the coast, traveling, preaching the gospel in all these cities. And we're told he settles down in a place called Caesarea. Now imagine this. 20 years go by. Saul, who was the very guy who lit the fire that made you have to flee your home for your life is now coming to stay with you. Only his name's not Saul anymore. It's Paul. And he's not persecuting Christians. He's the greatest force for planting churches and proclaiming the gospel that maybe the church has ever known. And now, can you imagine? And he's traveled all around the world telling people about Jesus. And now... One day he shows up and he's going to stay at your house. Can you imagine what that moment must have been like? He stays for a few days. He's got this guy Luke with him who's kind of writing down everything that's been happening. And maybe you have a meal together and you're sharing dinner. And can you imagine the stories that are told around that dinner table? Can you imagine the history that they would have been sharing. You know, sometimes when you wonder, how did Luke even get all this information to write down his history book about Philip? How did he know about Stephen? How did he know all these things? A lot of those stories probably got given to him as they sat around a table and just talked about, this is what was happening. It's like the church was growing, the widows weren't being fed, but you know, this is what we had to do. And then, and then Stephen and Saul, and can you imagine Saul? and? Him thinking back to that moment, but then how Jesus stepped into his life, knocked him, you know, knocked him off, off his feet and said, I'm sending you to now be my light to the Gentiles, to those who've never heard. And 20 years of history to sit and to celebrate together. And I just love that little moment because it makes me kind of go, you know, Philip, 
All the guy did was sign up to say, yep, I can distribute some food to the widows. And I love that even 20 years later, like he was one of the seven. He was one of those seven people who said, yep, we'll take care of it. And that somehow was just a part of this whole movement going boom and exploding and going out and out and out. Philip, one of the seven. I, I just know I want to be like, I, I, someday the history of True North Church will be written. And we got it. We got, you know, we got hundreds of people here today. And when you write your name on that card, it's like you're just going, this is what you're saying. You're saying, you know what, someday when the history of this church is written, I want to be one of those hundreds. <laughs> I was one of those people. I was like, I'm on board for the mission. I'm living a sent life. I pray for the church. I pray for people who don't know Christ. I'm, I'm going to serve. I give my talents. I'll do what's needed. I'll encourage people who need encouragement. I'm just, I'm in for the story God's writing. I, I want to be part of it. And so when you write your name on that card, and in a moment we take up our offering as well, just know this, these small steps, man, they are, they are sometimes, it might have felt like a small thing to say, I'll distribute some food to some widows. But every time we take a step, oh, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's amazing. We have an opportunity to step into his story. We got an opportunity to make history. And imagine the stories that you and I can tell 20 years from now. When I come have all of you sit around my very large dinner table, just kidding, we may not all fit. But imagine the stories we could tell. Because we said, Lord, we're up for it. We're up for whatever you want for us. You know, when we bring those cards, there's baskets in the front. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know as well today we're taking up our, we call it our miracle offering. You know, there's things we felt God calls to last year and and we're short of the target where we want it to be, but we're praying and expecting a miracle. And every one of us has a chance to be part of that miracle, to say, God, what can I give towards this? And not just to go, man, just because, you know, well, the finances and if, if I don't or what will, but to go, I want to be part of the story you're writing. Every one of us is positioned differently, can give differently. But if every one of us says, you know what, Lord, where have you placed me? then whatever that is, from the smallest amount to the largest, it is allowing us to go, I'm a part of the story God's writing. And those things that are going to happen through that giving and through that offering and through the story continuing to go forward, it's a way of saying, I'm part of that. And it doesn't matter what the amount is, but it matters that every one of us plays our part. And when we do, we join that story and we get to be part of history, of amazing stories. And so in just a few minutes, we're going to give you some space to, you can write your name on that card just saying, I'm in. If, you've, uh, if, if you want to be a part of that offering, you can fill that out. You'll see the envelopes on your chair. You can do that. Uh, you can give electronically. You can do it on your phone. Uh, it's a chance. And then you're just going to be able to come forward to the front to bring what you have to bring, your name, who you are. An offering, if you want to bring that, you can bring that. We get to be part of the story. And just before we do that, I want to show you, I think it's so cool how Paul, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they go back to the church and they share all the stories of what God's been doing. We've been doing that this month through and they just celebrating stories that we've seen over the last year. And I want you just to see one story. You know, we read the book of Acts and there's all these amazing moments, but True North, can I tell you, we are a part of amazing moments all the time. We get to be part of incredible stories. 
And I want to share just one of those with you today. You can have a look at the screen, and we're just going to see a story of a, a lady named Cecily up on the screen. My name's Cicely, and I live in the Rafa village. I had to go into the nursing home because my husband was very sick. And he passed away now just 12 months ago, but halfway through, I started getting depressed. I was walking down from my daughter's who lives in Ridgewood. Oh, have coffee flags outside, I'll go in. I was amazed when I walked in that first time. It was very nice, the staff were very nice as well, and I said to them, do you mind if I sit here a bit longer? I explained I was in the nursing home, the lodge. I said, because once I go back to my room, I'm in my room, you know, and they got talking to me, and I said, can I please stay a bit longer? Yet yeah, take all the time in the world. <laughs> and I've been coming ever since. <laughs> and they make nice coffee. First, I was a bit shy to go into the church. I just went upstairs and had my coffee and listened. And then I think the second week, I crept in on the back row. <laughs> you always well get welcome with a hug, you know. Everybody's seem as if they've got a heart of gold, if you know what I mean. It doesn't feel like church, but it is, you know. It's just happy. Uh, as time went by, a lady from Compass came across and asked me, would I like to be interested in doing volunteer work, being the um, Australian grandma? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> I haven't got any grandchildren of my own. And honestly, I couldn't wait for my daughter to come home from work and boast about it. And she says, oh, mum, she says, I'm so pleased. She says, that's one thing I've always regretted, not being able to give you grandchildren. So, you know, I really was thankful. I go in and say hello and they either hand one to me or feed one or I play little cars with them or toys with them or I get down on the carpet and they roll me over. <laughs> Cuddling them and you're feeding them and they're being sick on you <laughs> but it's all nice <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I know I'm 75, but I think I've got a lot to give. Two weeks ago, my registration come through for a nanny. I am a registered nanny, Australian nanny. <laughs> it's nice to be wanted again and not be lonely, you know what I mean? In the time of life where I was really low, it gave me another lease of life. And I think the Lord was watching over me. I'm just happy. <laughs> I just love coming. <laughs> Whether it's in church, in the coffee, or over there at the kindy, you know. And even they say at the lodge, you're smiling again, Cicely. 
<laughs> so God bless this church because it's really helped me. Come on, you can clap that. And the stories of how God is using you. You know, many of you, you won't, you know, you may not know Cicely. Although she's here, give her a big clap. She's right back in that corner. She's probably, hey, Dad, there she is. We're so grateful for you and so grateful you're a part. And the amazing thing is, this is what happens when you know, when we as a church choose to say, let's, let's, let's think about how we can be sent as a church. It's not about trying to figure out how people, let's go to people. Let's do things that, that connect with people and don't expect them to just step into our world. Let's step into their world. This is what happens when we as a church say, you know what, let's just gather together and say, how can we together shine the light and love of Christ? You may not know her, but as you give here, as you serve here, as you are a part of the story here, you're a part of her story. And this is why we do it. And this is why we want to just continue to go from strength to strength for every person to know the goodness of what it is to, to come to know Christ, to experience his love in their life. What an awesome thing. You can take a few moments. We're going to have a, a couple of the guys are going to sing for us for a moment. And I want to encourage you to take a few minutes, maybe with uh, who you came with or your family and and to consider that offering. And you may already know what uh, you feel God's calling you to give. You may want to take a few minutes and just pray and say once again, you know what, Lord, where have you positioned us? How would you invite us to give? How would you invite us to be a part of this story? And you can prepare those offerings and when you're ready uh, and prepare your card, write your name. And whenever you're ready, you can make your way down to the front as they sing. But I want to encourage you, don't just kind of think, yeah, that's cool. I, I think maybe somebody needs something here. The church wants something. No, this is a moment of saying, God, how would you invite us to be part of your story? I want to pray. I want to pray for this offering. Pray for you as you prepare. And then we're just going to take those time. Encourage you to pray with whoever you came with. Pray over what you're giving and bringing. Praying over those name cards and just saying, Lord, use it to see your story go forward in this world. Lord, we thank you for these moments. We thank you that we can gather in Jesus' name. We thank you for, Lord, your abundant grace that you have so generously given to us. And I pray you just help each one of us to know the part in your story you invite us to play. And Lord, we pray that you would take all that we do, all that we bring, all that we give. May it all be used to see your kingdom go forward in Jesus' name. Amen.